0: Hello and welcome to Career Move Secrets, a brand new podcast for active job seekers and the career-minded. In each episode, I'll interview a special guest from my global network. Guests will include seasoned recruiters, experienced hiring managers from companies big and small, and successful individuals who have developed great careers through making great career moves. My aim is to uncover and share my guests' unique perspectives, their insights and their insider advice on job searching, interviewing and career enhancement. My name is Tony Tolbert, and I've been working in the recruitment industry as an international headhunter for over 20 years. I'm the creator of CareermoveSecrets.com, a step-by-step online course for job seekers that I designed to be the ultimate guide to getting hired in the hidden job market. I will add my perspective to the conversation, and together with my guests, we hope to provide some genuine, actionable insider advice that will help you execute your next career move. Thanks for joining us today. (music) Welcome to episode 25 of Career Move Secrets, and today's guest is Paul Mikleff. Paul and I go quite a way back. Um, He's been in recruitment even longer than me, I think 22 years now, and most of it devoted to the construction industry. Hi, Paul. How are you?
1: I'm very good, Tony. Yourself?
0: I'm all right. Yeah, wouldn't say anything more than that. <laughs> just, about, just about all right. Messing about with uh, a bathroom at the moment in my house and trying to get it right uh, after a leak. So yeah, that's uh, that's my life. How's how's your life been and and during lockdown?
1: I think uh, it's quite amusing. You see all these uh, a lot of people on Facebook quoting that have had this amazing experience with lockdown. I honestly can't say I have. Mm. Glad that it's over. Glad the kids are both back at school now and. Um, allow us hopefully to get on with life hopefully allow the economy to get back you know back on things as well I, th- I think half the issue has been whilst everyone's been homeschooling it's obviously been very challenging to also you know kind of do your day job full time so I'm just hopeful schools go back remain back the rest of us can get on with work properly and hopefully normality will continue to return
0: Yes my daughter went to, to school for the first time in a secondary school um, yesterday and my, my son has gone for his first a day in, in in six months today so we'll see mm-hmm. I d- uh, yeah like you I hope this uh this lesson there's no sort of second wave nonsense hopefully we're we're out of that uh, Paul you and I know each other quite well we I mean we we shared an office for a period of time and and, and, and and had a great time doing that of course my guests don't know you so could you give me the sort of potted history of your career
1: Yeah, so I guess like many, I fell into recruitment. Mm. I've done a degree in geography. Didn't want to be a teacher or a town planner. And I saw a job advertised for a training recruitment consultant. uh, Went to apply, got the job. And the rest of the say is history from there in terms of how I got into recruitment. I spent the first couple of years working, firstly, for a pretty poor outfit. And then I went to one of the big national players, an outfit called Beresford Blake Thomas. No longer exists. That got consumed by Randstad some years ago. But at the age of 25, after only being there two years, and that was, sorry, in the sector that I focus in now, which is, I guess, quantity surveying, project management, consultancy, marketplace, Um, anything from, I guess, kind of recently chartered right up through to senior exec level appointments. That's the market I started in way back then. But after two years at BBT, I quickly realised that it was more of a, I guess, a kind of mudslinging exercise, you know, how many CVs can you fire out each day? And you know, I quickly realized at the age of 25, this is not really adding any consultancy piece to, to you know, given that we were supposed to be called recruitment consultants, we weren't really adding any value. So at the age of 25, I started my first business, which was Jigsaw Search and Selection. We did very well. We grew it up to over 40 heads um, from a standing start meeting a business partner. Um, unfortunately, 2008 hit, uh, we had a fairly turbulent time. And then by the time layman's crashed in October, Unfortunately, we recognised that we weren't going to bill anything for the next six months. We perhaps over leveraged our business. You know, we'd we'd only had, obviously in hindsight, we were young, young business owners who'd never been through a recession. We thought, you know, 2007, the world was just going to keep going. At that point, we moved into a very swanky office, had a very large overdraft and a large loan to pay off for the fit out of the office. And we kept on recruiting more people because we honestly thought the world would never end. It would just keep going. And of course, 2008, 2009 proved us wrong. So um yeah, I had a pretty awful year in two thousand and eight. My my father died from cancer, unfortunately, on the fourth of November. Um Mm. on the fifteenth of December I had to tell my remaining team that I couldn't pay them and that the firm was being liquidated. So um pretty awful actually. Mm. Um so gosh, what did I do? I spent kind of six months licking my wounds and then sort of pegs the search and selection my my existing business because I knew I still loved recruitment and um Pegasus is a much more humble organisation. There's seven of us. Um, we don't have quite a swanky office I did have at Jigsaw, but um, but maybe happier and probably making more money actually. Incidentally, so there's a lesson to be learned there about you know pursuing turnover and profit and the fact that you should go after the latter. So that's it in a potted history, Tony. I don't know if you want any more, but that's that's, that's no
0: me. no. And uh, you know that's the the the, the honest appraisal. You, you know you're well known in your sector. You're well known as a really really good recruiter as well and. You obviously, you know, you you successfully built a business and then the recession struck and uh and beat you back, but you're you're back again. I imagine there's going to be a lot of people in recruitment, particularly but uh, but you know, in other sectors as well, probably even more so in hospitality and airlines, et cetera, who are going to find that they are over leveraged, um, and that this particular economic shock, shall we call it, um, is mm. is, is going to put pay to their businesses. It's um yeah, it's something to always bearing in mind, isn't it? That um, markets can go down as well as up. But uh, yeah, it's a, a, a tricky, a tricky time right now.
1: It is sadly, and, and I think you're absolutely right. I think some industries um, are fundamentally in a very bad position. You know, I think you look at aviation. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think the the aviation industry will come back. You know, we will all still go on holiday. You know, I'm, I'm I'm still desperate to get on a plane. We've not we've not done this year in terms of our holidays, but I'm still desperate to get on a plane and, and do things. Um, I do think business travel is going to be hugely affected. Yes, and I that's why aviation is going to lose a lot of money. You know, the days when somebody would jump on a plane to New York for an hour's meeting, I think people have probably realised that can be done over Zoom in many cases now. So mm. there will I, I can just see business travel being greatly reduced, which, which is obviously where the airlines make quite a lot of their money. So yeah, I think there's issues there. I think retail, you know, retail was on the battlefield before we started. <laughs> before that, before mm. COVID started, you could argue that you know retail, casual dining are areas that we're already on the back foot, and they had to continue to adjust to the new norm. I think COVID's maybe set some of them over the edge. Definitely. Um, well, that's interesting.
0: We're getting into the into the market, and you are obviously you know well plugged into the construction market, a market I mm. I dip in and out of. But I always think mm. construction an incredible. It's a bit of a barometer of 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 economies in my mind. You know, you're it is one that you you always look to how active is the construction market because that suggests the level of confidence in the future to some extent where are we at right now have you did you see a complete shutdown over you know the the lockdown period and if so has it bounced back in any way
1: yeah so look candidly when this all happened obviously shut down what 23rd of 23rd of march um we've we've not had a bad first quarter actually um leading into that but literally you know I, I had in my head that you know i wouldn't be doing any business until september uh, when when that happened uh, you know i've been there before you know ridden other ups and downs in, in the market um and yeah sure enough from march until the end of june we we didn't raise a single interview let alone invoice um but actually july so i'd furloughed to my team by july i brought by my two senior consultants so there was me and two others and actually we, we started getting some results over july and august uh, and you're absolutely right You know recruitment is a great reconstruction and recruitment are both great barometers of market confidence
0: Mm.
1: um and so from nothing happening it certainly has picked up over july and august i think that's certainly very sector specific so Mm. there are certain sectors that haven't really missed a beat so you know my clients who are focused in areas such as data centers life science healthcare um, public sector infrastructure a lot of those sectors with the exception perhaps of um, aviation haven't really being hugely affected and certainly will continue to recruit. I think some other sectors, obviously retail um, is going to continue to, to have challenges. Um, the big one for everyone, which I think is making a lot of people in construction scratch their heads is what exactly happens to the office development market, mm. commercial sector. You know, obviously there's a lot of talk at the moment of many companies going to, a, you know, almost a pure work from home situation. Personally, I can't see that, and that's maybe another another whole podcast for another day discussing the, the merits of an office space. But needless to say, I think it is causing some uh, some pause for thought with certainly commercial developers um, at the moment, working out you know what the what the demand is going to be for their their offering going forward, and, and that, that's causing some yeah I think some short term paralysis, let's say.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that. I have a couple of clients that I'm speaking to that that would say that they might reduce the size of their London office. You know, very expensive um, offices in the in the centre of the biggest cities in the world that cost a lot of money. And if you're if you're moving from a model where you used to have everyone in to actually now you're 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 realising or, or or perhaps uh, relaxing your policy around that that you can you can have a little bit more. Uh, of interaction over Zoom and other things, um, they are thinking about either downsizing or changing that. I, and I guess, you know, from a recruitment point of view, there could be a win there in, in, in a way for, for candidates and, and for us in a way to some extent because how many, I don't know how many um, situations or candidates or placements I've lost over the years due to location, there must be quite quite a considerable considerable number because quite often it's those situations where, you know, how many days in an office when it comes to those d- discussions that uh, that the two parties can part company rather than move forward? Um, and I wonder whether there might be a few people out there in the market now as candidates demanding a bit more freedom um, from, from the, the commute than they were before.
1: um... we have to be careful with that one. I I, I do think actually there's a bit of confusion here between remote working and work from home. Mm. Um, We have to recognise they are different things. I I don't think companies are offering um, remote working. So remote working for me is you can work anywhere. So you could be based with a company in London and you could live in Portugal. Mm. That's remote working. Um, What actually most companies want is for you or allowing you currently to work from home because they still need you within the vicinity of your office. They still need you to be able to attend meetings. They still need you to be able to go to clients' meetings. So, you know, if you're if you're working within a major city, let's say London, typically your client base will be probably in London. So you still have to be accessible to that marketplace. Um, uh, look, I think what this has done is it's pushed on flexible working, uh, you know, generation. It was, you know, the, the adoption of flexible working was increasing. You know, if you look at most PLCs, and their offices in London, very few of them had capacity at 100%. It was mm. often, you know, they could cope with 60% of their staff at any one time. So they were, they were already heading that way. It's probably um, sped up the process, which, which is a positive. I think certainly for those who have long commutes or those who have childcare uh, restraints, I think certainly this is, this, you know, it's going to be one of the positives of COVID. I still think the jury's out though. I, I personally think there's still some big questions to be asked about how we develop and train young talent. Mm. so in construction there has been redundancies i think the bracket that has been the worst affected has been graduates trainees apprentices and i think candidly the main issue is companies do not know how to manage them remotely and so they've they've taken an easy option to get rid of them in my in my humble view mm. and i think that so uh, that is a massive concern for me in terms of young talent and, and i'm still i've still not heard a, a, a um enough of, a, enough of a, a, a detailed answer as to how companies are going to manage their young talent. Because the reality is, as I'm sure you did in recruitment, as I'm sure many people in many walks of life, when you first start as a, as a, as a young professional, you learn by osmosis, you learn by sitting next to seniors mm. who have been doing it for years, and you soak up their knowledge. That's very difficult to achieve over a Zoom call um, or when you're sat at home in your bedroom. Um, you know, maybe a cramped living quarters, etc. That, that I, I just think there's a big, a big thing. We're in danger. of. I think we're in danger of losing a generation of people um, if we if we don't get it right going forward.
0: I definitely, uh, you know, agree with some of that. I think there's 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 definitely a difference between the young who live and work in in cities and want to continue doing that, and then probably yeah. our generation Paul, If if we're honest with mm. you know youngest sure. children that you you know you're sort of. Um, you know, you've got that. You want that flexibility, so that that's definitely happening. Um, but I, but I also think it's probably not. Uh, it's not going to go all the way uh, to the extent that some people think it will. You know, looking at the market right now, and if, you know, thinking from a candidate perspective, if you were looking for a job right now, what would you be doing that you maybe wouldn't have been doing, you know, a year ago when it was more of a a seller's market for candidates.
1: I think I think the starting point is being realistic. Mm. So you know, depending on what sector you're in, certainly construction and property has had you know, you know, hugely. There's been a huge inflation in terms of salaries over over the last five years. Uh, you know, crazy crazy actually when you look at some of the levels for some individuals that that they could attain. Even 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 as much as you know, the start of this year, January February, some of the salaries were available. You know, I think realistically, my, my advice to a lot of my candidates, and it depends on the level of the individual. But at certain levels, you're probably going to see a good ten to twenty percent drop in salary in, in wow. certain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess within my sector, you've got uh, the bracket that seems to be most affected is what I would term kind of project director level. So project director would typically be someone who is is leading on a major scheme, but maybe doesn't have the strategic management responsibility of maybe looking after clients, looking after business development, etc. They're just very much delivering projects those those kind of individuals in the london market you know for the kind of clients that i'm dealing with are probably attracting somewhere just around the six figure mark i think some of those are going to take as much as a 20 percent drop in salary because i think there's uh, there's not the demand for that bracket at the moment in the market
0: mm. so that's a very specific case but across across the market would that be you know uh, something that you would see in terms of a, a reduction because th- that's that's interesting i've not i've not you know certainly some people have mm. taken a reduction during during covid but i didn't think that was i didn't think there was quite the downward pressure on salaries that 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 might uh, suggest
1: i think we're going i think we're going to see that i think i think bear in mind if we're talking purely construction i think it, it does very much depend on what sector mm. you're you're plugged into so if you're in the wrong sector then then potentially you're going to have to take more of a more of a hit on on the salary essentially um now i have to say a lot of the salaries have held up quite reasonably however i think i think the big question a lot of people are asking is what happens by the end of october are we going to see more redundancies and are we then going to see a leveling off of salaries and and potentially reduction Mm. so yes probably most acute at the level i just mentioned there um and certainly you know other individuals i've placed over the last two to three months have, have probably certainly they've not had increases in salary i would say tony most of them have had have moved for similar salary in most cases some of them are considering a lower salary.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? That that um, and and um, they're moving for the pure piece, the opportunity, and a better company, a better project, that type of thing, as opposed to uh, an increase in salary. Is that is that what's motivating them to make a move, or is it because they're already out and need to get back in?
1: Uh, both. So so yeah, both. So mm. some of these are individuals who've been very redundant. So yeah, mm. you know, I've, I've, I've got to get an opportunity. You know, I, I think the one thing. Um, the one advice I would still give to candidates that I think many are, uh, are not appreciating is that you still have choices. Mm. You don't have to take the first thing that comes along. You don't have to join a business that you don't want to join, um, that you that you know, you know, in your gut is not right for you, because fundamentally that won't work out. Six months down the line, you realise that was been a mistake, and you'll 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 be looking again in the market, and and ideally, what you do not want if you can at all help it, it's to have a number of blips on your CV where you've made several moves over a six month period.
0: Mm. Yeah. I'd agree with that as well. Albeit there'll be, there'll be some people that, that have that. I was talking to a candidate the other day, actually, who, Mm. who, you know, was very worried that, that they had made a move, um, sold a pup in the usual way. You know, they actually been headhunted Mm. and, and not by me, but came to me for some advice to the new me and said, Mm. this is the scenario. And I, I gave them a little bit of coaching around that, but, I, you know, I suggest that they do a lot of digging and, and um, I think it was quite a small company they went to and, and, and it's not worked out. You know, they, they feel like, you know, it's not the opportunity they should have joined. And, and funny enough, they've been head on and again for another. And I, and I think they will do much more due diligence this time round. Um, but that person was just saying to me, you know, how, how badly will this affect me? And I, my argument was, you've got to, you know, the truth is, this is what happened. If you, if you can get that truth across, you know, the, the, the sort of, you know, the narrative of what happened and why you would be open this time round,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think, you know, that's, that's important. You've got to get that message across uh, in the right way. And, you know, not everybody gets that opportunity, you know, because the, the, sometimes it's yeah. at the CDB level that somebody says, do you know what? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to speak to this person because of these quick moves in succession. But, mm.
1: Well, look, I think you're absolutely right. As long as you can, explain those moves and why they happened um, then there is I think there is some degree of tolerance in the market what there isn't is if you have maybe two or three moves in quick succession then then the then the question begins to be asked you know is this individual lucky or is it the individual's fault
0: Mm.
1: and that's what you have to be careful of so so look I think I think you have to do your due diligence absolutely you have to make sure you're joining a business that you genuinely feel is going to be the right organization for you and of course as you say sometimes you can do all the due diligence in the world and it sometimes still doesn't work out. I yeah, get that. True. Yeah, true. But not doing the due diligence um, and maybe just jumping at the first opportunity. Uh, yeah. Could, could absolutely be a mistake, couldn't it? For, for obvious reasons.
0: For sure. Well,
1: what, what do you th- see the
0: state of the market in terms of recruiters? Cause you know, you and I have both you know been recruits for a very long time. Mm. We probably both share views that there are, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting industry ours, isn't it? You know, you, it, it, it's not particularly regulated. People jump in and jump out. Um, yeah. You know, we, we'd probably both be honest, you and I, and say there's plenty of cowboys in the industry as well. And we've both spoken to candidates who have had terrible experiences with recruiters yeah. in the past, and then we'd probably both know lots of candidates who would say they have great experiences, and you know, I've got really positive things to say. But I think the negatives probably shout louder than the positives, as usual. You know, in, in 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 life, what 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 have you seen out there in the market? You probably you probably see more of it than I do.
1: Yeah, gosh, this is a it'd be a soapbox moment. This <laughs> because, um, <laughs> Rental, because you know yeah. I, 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 possibly, I possibly do agitate a lot of my, a lot of the recruitment world by by speaking my mind about the recruitment industry. Oh. And at the end of the day, what we do, um, while stressful at times, is, is not is not realistically a, a, a challenging job if you do the basics right. You mm-hmm. know, which is, you know, be honest with people, don't lie to people, try to give them good advice. You know, in some cases, advice they may not want to hear, but give them solid advice. Mm. But just stick to your morals. It's not it's not bloody complicated. I think um, on the candidate side, you know, again, it's not complicated. If you want to submit a candidate to a company, you speak to that candidate about the company and you get their permission to submit the candidate, uh, to submit the CV, I beg your pardon. Again, it's, it's not complicated. Um, yet the majority of our industry will pick up a CV and just just throw it around the market without the candidate's permission Um so yeah candidates need to be very careful about which re- recruiters they engage with i guess is my point
0: yes i I'd, I'd say the same thing and particularly you know have some control over your own cv you know um mm-hmm. be very clear with with recruiters who they have permission to approach and who they do not have a permission to approach and and, mm-hmm. and I, I know i argue keep a log of it and and you know an email um, interaction, you know, if, if you like, if you if yep. you say to somebody Absolutely. that somebody can do something, clarify it in in writing. Just because then you you're you're just being more cautious about what you're doing. Because as we both know, Paul, there can be issues down the line where you know two recruiters have put the same CV into the same company and you get an argument. What you don't want as a candidate is to be have your application um, ruined or or, or questioned because of somebody else's actions so you've got to be really really careful and actually I suspect that you know at this point in time there's probably a lot more people going direct to um, to clients and you know direct to an employer than there ever was you know there's probably less uh-huh. you know there's less work for the intermediary like us just at the moment because there's so many people open and and, and looking for work and and happy to have those chats directly um, which maybe is not great news for me but uh, well, for us and, and well maybe Actually, it could be good news for me if people buy my course which which, which would help them do that but um you know <laughs> it's not uh, it's not necessarily always great news for for the recruiter but it, it is a good way of uh, of making an approach these days
1: i think it comes it absolutely is i think it comes back to that point we said earlier due diligence um both on the candidate and the client side so you're absolutely right at the moment certainly within my space there there are there are honestly some exceptional people at the moment looking for work. You know, if wind the clock back six months, companies would have struggled to find the kind of talent that is that is readily available right at the moment in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. A lot of those individuals can go directly, or um, you know, companies can pick up those individuals directly without the need for a recruiter. I, th- I think the issue is where mistakes happen. Um, is what is where? I guess on the client side, they tried to cut a corner by saving money on a recruitment fee. And have not really used somebody like me who knows my market inside out and know most of the characters in the market and and I can usually match them quite well to the relevant companies and vice versa. Going back to our whole point about candidates making mistakes, where they jump at an an opportunity with an organization without perhaps having, um, let's say somebody who's a a trusted advisor in the market who can give them some solid advice about why they should consider that particular company and not consider another company. And, And just as you alluded to earlier, Tony told me about that candidate. I'm I'm happy to have conversations with people, even if they're quite far down the path and they've they've got a number of opportunities on the table. And and I, I will I will stand to get any benefit from it. I'm still more than happy to have a chat with them, give them my honest advice about Company A, B, and C and what I think about those three organizations, and which I think would probably be most appropriate for them. So yeah, I think um everyone needs to be careful not to cut out the good recruiters. <laughs> whilst trying to avoid all the crap ones that exist out there.
0: Yeah, so it's a difficult thing to do. But of course, you know, you can get recommendations, referrals, you know. The obvious thing is to, you know, people do get better at their job as, as, they, do, as they do it for a longer period of time. So, you know, if somebody's been in an industry, you can you can check people out through LinkedIn now. I think that's a basic due diligence that most people do sh- straight off the bat is, you know, if somebody calls you about a job and they're a recruiter, how long have they been a recruiter? You know, how senior are yeah. they? Uh, how likely are they to to know the marketplace that they're in? How lo- how long have they worked in that marketplace? This, these are the the sort of basic things. And I mean, of course, do they have
1: any recommendations? Yes, exactly. Have, you know, you know has, there's as plenty of ways you can yeah. check out a recruiter.
0: Yes, and it's um, it's something you should do. You should always vet the recruiter, and possibly, you know, if you can, through a direct source, somebody that they've worked with that you know.
1: Well, that's right. Theory. If they if they are worth their salt in the market, they'll have lots of people that both you and they are connected to. Mm. Uh, so I'm sure you should be able to find one individual at least who can be someone you can approach and go. You know, how well do you know this individual? Um, have they worked for you? Um, and and you know, get a, get a reference from that. Mm. So, I mean, LinkedIn's. A, let's let's talk about LinkedIn a moment. Actually, LinkedIn's obviously a good one to talk about. So, a few things I would advise, and a few simple mistakes that candidates make. It never ceases to amaze me. You'll get a CV, and it looks completely different to the profile on LinkedIn. Yes,
0: I find that and, incredible. Yeah, it's. Uh,
1: and, and and just frankly, um, just a real a real rookie error because the first thing we all do nowadays, as soon as we get a CV, as soon as anybody makes contact with us, what do we all do? We, we jump on LinkedIn. I think most of these many many job seekers may do the same thing. They may jump on LinkedIn and see who this individual is. So why do they think recruiters, potential employers, are not going to do the same thing? So uh, one thing I would absolutely say is just make sure your LinkedIn profile. Matches your CV perfectly. If you if there's an employer missing on your CV that's on LinkedIn or vice versa, straight away that'll be a red flag to me. It's like, why? What are you trying to hide?
0: Yes, me too.
1: And it just astounds me the amount of times I still see that same mistake being made.
0: I, I do. It's one of the things. I'm, i in fact, uh, I've got a there's a, a free CV masterclass on my on my website careermovesecrets And one of the things I always say is, look, you know, once you fit, update your CV go ahead and update your your LinkedIn profile. Make yeah. sure, you know, even down to the sort of language that you're using because really what you're trying to do, you know, through that marketing piece, whether it's a CV or your profile, is you're projecting something. And if if yeah. you try and project something and then it's, it doesn't seem to um, equate to other pieces that you're projecting, the, there's an obvious question that goes into our heads is why are you, for instance, you know, an obvious thing between maybe – highlighting that you're a project manager, where actually in another in another sentence, you're talking about you're, being, you're at the project director level. These are two different things. Or whether you're a general manager or actually you're specifically a sales and marketing type person. And again, people will have these things in their background and they're, they're for a particular application or a particular stage in their career, they're highlighting one set of skills over another and that's completely fine, but be consistent. In doing that across the areas where people can find and 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 check and vet what you're doing, because as you say, these things raise raise red flags. Um, uh, yeah, and and everybody's doing it. Whether it, it, it's not just us as recruiters that are doing it, the the uh, the end employees are doing the same thing.
1: Mm. No, hundred percent. It's just uh, yeah, it's just you, you have to do that. It makes it makes complete sense to do so. You know, I think having a, having a detailed LinkedIn profile probably helps job seekers as well. So you know, coming back to I guess when we started the conversation talking about what I think you know, job seekers should do to in in their looking in the current markets, I think have a detailed LinkedIn profile yeah. because again, us recruiters spend our lives on LinkedIn. Do, frankly. Yeah. Um, so, I, but, but as do a lot of internal talent acquisition teams as well. Mm. So, you know, having having a detailed LinkedIn profile that that has the right keywords that an, a recruiter, whether internal or external, is going to be able to find and source um, is, is massively useful. Um, you know, a lot of people have found themselves new jobs um, in the current climate by just posting on LinkedIn that they're looking for work and their network, their, their wider network has, has come to them with a solution, yeah. um, which, which is great. You know, I'm really I'm always really pleased when I see individuals, particularly ones who have maybe been out of work for a little while, um, find a role. It's, it's just fantastic. Great, great, great to see. Uh, and great to see that people are finding jobs. Absolutely. So, yeah, look, make sure your I think your LinkedIn profile is up to date. Um, you know, I, I, whilst I did say be realistic, I think people do need to be realistic in the current market. I think equally you need to know yourself, know what you're looking for, mm. know where your direction of travel is, um, decide whether it's time to move jobs or not. Move jobs I think is a, is a key one. And I think a lot of people may err on the side of not moving jobs at the moment. And actually, Going back to the last recession, sorry, I don't know if you spotted this, but going back to the last recession, one thing I I really did spot is that you had two types of organizations out there. You had ones who essentially kind of hunkered down, almost kind of ran for cover, uh, and almost for a few years, really. And you had others who were very brave, ambitious, courageous, and really went after the market. Mm. Those organizations, some of them grew exponentially over that next decade. Um, And of course, gave their employees the opportunity to expand with them very rapidly as well. There was a difference then between the two kinds of organizations you were in. If you were in that organization that was brave and and, and grew, your career and your salary, remuneration, position, development, all increased. You had other individuals who stayed in that organization who was a bit more um, reluctant to grow, probably had reduced people's salaries and never reinstated them or reinstated them very slowly. And you ended up in a—you could have had two individuals, two peers who had the same qualification, same age, roughly the same experience, roughly the same degree of talent—and one's career exponentially shot up, whereas the other's just flatlined, because they stayed in the wrong organisation for too long. So I think it's worth for individuals working out where's my next move in in my organisation. How long will it take me to get there? Are there organisations out there who can give me a better, faster trajectory? And I think that's an important thing for people to ask themselves.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. I think there's, you know, we often find as recruiters, the people, when something changes in a business and they move from a hiring business to a, to a business that's shrinking, that's when you start getting calls from people uh, and you see those people on the market um, that are mm-hmm. coming from that business. Not necessarily the ones that are being let go, just the ones that are in the team who are then unsettled and think, do you know what? The, the direction of travel has changed here from growth to shrink. And of course, nobody wants to be in a shrinking business because it's uh, it it shrinks your own opportunities, shrinks your own career. I absolutely agree with that as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not where you want to be. Um, Finally, let's. uh, You also have a podcast, don't you, uh, Paul? I wanted to to just uh, direct people to that if if they can have a look at that uh, before we before we cut off.
1: Yeah, very kind. So that's Pegasus Radio. So obviously available on all the major. Uh, major podcast channels. Um, so that's essentially a career advice podcast, I guess, mm-hmm. for, for individuals within construction and property. So I guess the first 50 or so episodes are all me giving advice around a particular part of your career. More recently I've started to do, uh, I guess what's to meet the boss or a meet the boss series where I'm interviewing founders, owners of consultancies within my space. Which a lot of my yeah listeners are finding really useful just to get a, a really good understanding about those individual organisations. And yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's going well. Thank you. I started it just over a year ago, um, going from strength to strength. It's um, as you all know, Tony. It's a bit of a labour of love. Yes, it is. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think. Um, I'm guessing neither me or you have got necessarily the, um, uh, any kind of financial rewards from it. But I, I do genuinely feel that I'm adding some real value to the market, and you know, it always makes my day when somebody makes contact with me, telling me how much value. I've given them from the podcast. Yeah. So I'm always grateful for that. That's
0: always a reward, isn't it? Paul, Look, thank you very much for for spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Well, some great advice there from Paul McLeff, particularly around, the due diligence process that you need to go through and the fact that you need to do some. As ever, if you are looking for a job at the moment, do go to my website, careermovesecrets.com and take the free job search masterclass, which will really help you get a view on how the market works and the free CV and resume masterclass, which will help you get your CV in shape for applicant tracking systems and for people like me to read. And if you're enjoying these podcasts, consider subscribing because there will be more Career Move Secrets podcasts coming very soon.